This is WPCast, the tactical podcast where we help you accelerate your business with WordPress. I'm Doug from PodWP, where we specialize in designing and hosting podcast websites. And I'm David from FatCat Apps, where we build WordPress plugins such as easy pricing tables and easy opt-ins that drive conversions. This is episode 28, starting your first WordPress plugin business. We wanted to start off saying thanks to Danny Flood for the five-star review. Danny's got a podcast as well, the Open World Podcast. So we uh, met up with him here in Chiang Mai. So thanks, Danny. Yeah, thanks a lot. So this week we got another listener question from Scott Patterson. And Scott mentioned that he listened to me on the Tropical MBA podcast, which we'll link up in the show notes uh, in there. I was talking about my WordPress plugin business, FatCat Apps, and he's got a couple of questions. The first one is he mentions that he's been a PHP developer for 10 years. And the first question is he's wondering about... so. On easy pricing tables, I've got different pricing tiers, and it's mostly based on how many websites you can install the plugin on. And he's wondering if there's actually anybody who is, you know, buying more than just a one-site option. And the other question is, he's basically wanting to get into building and selling premium WordPress plugins. And he was just wondering if um, we have any recommendations. Um, he's interested in e-commerce. He's wondering how to figure out what to build. So let's start off with uh, the first question, the one site versus multiple site licenses. And obviously, David, you've got more experience on this than I do. Yeah, sure. So the majority of the people that buy easy pricing tables do buy the cheapest version, which right now is $29 for a single site license. But I do get a decent amount of people also buying the business and the agency licenses, which let you install the plugin on five or even unlimited sites. So yeah, it's working. And like me introducing this tiered pricing alone is definitely, I can give you the exact numbers. I'm actually not sure what it is, but it's definitely responsible for at least a couple extra thousand dollars in additional revenue that I made this year, which I wouldn't have made if I would have not done this. Yeah. Another thing to think about is just pricing anchors. And we also discussed on the pricing episode, which we'll link up to in the show notes. It's wpcast.fm slash pricing. So in that episode, we talked about number of site licenses versus features to use for your pricing tiers and advantages of one versus the other. So depending on, on the plugin, it may make sense to just use the multiple sites versus features, but you you can go one way or the other or a combination of both. But ultimately, you just want to make sure it's not too confusing for users and you're not kind of pricing some people out. Like if they have to buy the really high level developer license, but they only have one site and they just need one you know, relatively low level feature. Yeah. I think another reason why this is important is that the amount of money that people spend with you, the lifetime value of your customers, it's it's one of the most important numbers in your business. And I think an issue that a lot of WordPress businesses, including my own, have is that this number is usually fairly small and it's in most businesses so small that you can't afford to, you know, run ads and do like a lot of paid advertising and marketing that is the cost more money. So if you can figure out some way to just like charge more money and you know every customer that signs up um, pays you more money there's just so much stuff you can do this uh, you can invest in ads and it makes it easier to scale your business so one thing i'm trying to do and the verdict is still out on that but one thing i'm doing right now actually with easy pricing tables is that what i've started doing 
is I moved some of the features out of the cheapest plan. In particular, I've got a feature called pricing toggle, which lets you, you know, switch between say like monthly and yearly pricing. And I got another feature, which is a Google Analytics integration. And I moved them out of the cheapest plan. And if you want to get this feature, you now have to buy the medium or largest plan. And it's the verdict is still out there. It's too early to say if it actually like helped. The, but I am actively trying to increase my lifetime value. Yeah, that's that's another thing to think about is that you may not get it right the first time, but you can you can make adjustments to what you're offering later on and see, you know, certain things may work better that you're, you're not going to find out unless you actually test it. Yeah. And uh, the other thing why tiered pricing is good, because there's this thing called price anchoring where maybe a $29 plugin seems expensive to some people, but when they see on the same page that, oh, there's like also like a $149 version, then it, in comparison, it just feels much cheaper and it feels like you're getting a better deal. So people are more likely to buy. So this concept yeah. is called price anchoring. So the next question from Scott was uh, what plugin to make. And so he had mentioned in his email that he's thinking about e-commerce plugins, which we both think is a, is a very good idea. So with e-commerce, one of the great things is, you know, people are already spending. If they have a store, they're making some money and they should be hopefully able to spend some money. A lot of the, the great e-commerce plugins and extensions out there all cost money. So you're kind of already looking at an, an audience that's willing to pay. Yeah. So just as an example, uh, Phil Dirksen from WP Stripe. So he's got a, he's got a Stripe checkout plugin uh, for WordPress and he's, he's selling both a Pinterest and a Stripe plugin with premium extensions. And he's just noticing that with the Stripe plugin, a lot more people end up buying it comparatively to the Pinterest plugin. And when you think about it, it makes sense because as Doug said, people that are selling stuff on their website are probably making money and can afford to spend money compared yeah. to somebody who just wants to put some Pinterest buttons on his site. Exactly. So what I would do if I would, you know, if I would go back and if I would be at square one is I would try to build a plugin which integrates with some existing plugin that is already successful. So for example, Ninja Forms, I just recently launched the Ninja Forms Sapir plugin, as I mentioned in a previous episode. I'm just a big fan of using some existing platform that has already a couple hundred thousand downloads that is well established. They have their own marketplaces where you can sell your stuff and you can kind of piggyback of that audience. And it's probably not going to be a large kind of like, you know, probably not going to be making $10,000 a month selling some kind of small extension for an existing platform, but it is a great way to get started. You can, you know, build it really fast and there's a lot of advantages. So in the e-commerce context, I would say WooCommerce or easy digital downloads, I think are, those are the two leading e-commerce platforms and both of them have marketplaces. So since you're already looking into e-commerce, I would try to do an extension for one of those. And I would reach out to the guys who run it and, you know, make sure that you can actually like get into the marketplace because I think it's going to be a lot more difficult if you, if you do not get approved to the marketplace. Yeah. So, you know, it's also, you know, all things being equal, it's probably easier to get started with an extension than a brand new product. Usually it's less code. You can sh ship it faster and kind of like learn the ropes of the plugin business, you know, with something small that's, that's actually getting out there to an audience versus trying to build some big products, 
and trying to sell it on your own without without any kind of distribution channel. Yeah, and there is a lot of advantages to building those really, really small things like building a payment gateway, for example. So maybe the payment gateway market is oversaturated. I'm not sure about that, but I heard one developer tweet recently that his favorite type of premium plugins to sell that he builds is those payment gateways because they either work or they don't. And so if you build it properly, it works. And there's yeah. basically, there's like almost no support button. While with my product, Easy Pricing Tables, it's a CSS generator and there's also some JavaScript and there's always something that can go wrong. There's always somebody with another theme or a plugin that just messes something up yeah. either in the user interface or on the front end. So I'm getting a comparative high amount of people that are my customers actually end up sending me support tickets because there's just so much stuff that can go wrong with such a plugin. But if you build something simple that integrates with a couple of APIs, um, there's yeah. very little that can go wrong. Pretty much you'll, if the API breaks, then you know to fix it and everybody's going to have the same problem, which means, you know, you have to go and fix it right away if you still want customers. But it's a lot easier to identify and you know, maybe even get ahead of it if you can, if you're diligent about it. It's also, I wanted to mention that it's it's good to build something that you know that there's a demand for. So one of the things Scott wrote about is that he saw there's existing plugins that have some bad reviews. And we think this is a great idea because, because there's plugins out there, you know there's demand. And when there's bad reviews, you know, one is that there's opportunity, but also for people to actually go out of their way to write a review and a bad review means that they're using it and they, they care and they're hopefully looking for something better. So yeah. that's a pretty good way to validate plugin idea. Yeah. I guess another thing would be, you know, you could start joining like e-commerce forums and do some customer development and talk to the people in there. That's always something you can do. What I did with Ninja from Sapir, it, it was really straightforward. I just saw that uh, Gravity Forms got a lot of good press because they integrated with Sapir. And I just assumed that the guys from Ninja Forms probably also wanted to integrate with Sapir. So in order to like, you know, catch up to Gravity Forms, I just sent an email asking if they're okay with me building a plugin and, you know, if they want to put it on their site. And yeah, that's, that's yeah. how I did that. And you got some good press out of it. So that's another real good reason to work with some existing platforms especially the popular ones like that. Yeah. So by the way, a great thing about working with Ninja Forms is I'm not sure. I think that would also probably apply to WooCommerce and Easy Digital Downloads. But what's really good about working with the guys from Ninja Forms is that is that they actually answer the support tickets as well, unless there's some kind of major issue or something where they just don't really know how to answer it. But um, I think I've gotten... I think I've gotten a single support ticket for Ninja from Sapir so far. And it's not like I'm making a ton of sales, but the ratio of support tickets I'm getting compared to, again, easy pricing tables is very, very small. So the support button is just probably much less with those products. Yeah. So another thing we wanted to advise is that you may not hit it big with your first plugin. You're going to be learning and... You know, you always hear about the stories about how somebody created a plugin, you know, in a weekend and now they're making $10,000 a right. month or something. You know, you don't hear about all the ones that the first product failed or just didn't get up there or, you, you know, the ones that, you know, make a lot of money, but took a lot of iterations to get there. 
Yeah. And I think it also depends how you define success. Uh, you know, I'm full time on fat cat apps right now. And most of that is powered by easy pricing table sales. But also, I'm a single guy and I'm living in Asia. So, you know, if I would have a family and I would be living in the US, I would not be full time on fat cat apps right now. So, you know, you have to keep that in mind as well. Yeah. So these things can be profitable, but, you know, you, you don't know until you start and you have to be willing to wait it out a little bit and see how things go. Uh, so Scott has a lot of experience as a developer. So that's, you know, that's a really good place to start from. But, you know, just, you know, because you're a great developer doesn't necessarily mean you're going to pick the right first product off the bat. And, you know, you also have to learn how to, to sell it as well. And sometimes, you know, the market isn't there despite, you know, getting good feedback. And, you know, we talked about validation in an earlier episode, but, uh, you know, you kind of have to just you know, get out there and, and build it and see what happens. Yeah. So that's what you put in the show notes here is, uh, you know, getting started is the hardest part and try to not get stuck in analysis paralysis. And uh, you put the link here to a blog post yeah. uh, by Matt Malenberg. Yeah. So this, um, there's an article called uh, 1.0 is the loneliest number by Matt Mullenweg, the creator of WordPress, who you should all know. And this is one of my favorite little articles to read. And he talks about how Apple shipped the first iPhone. And, you know, even though they're known for being, well, Steve Jobs, particularly for being a perfectionist, making that first version, you know, they knew, you know, it's got, it's not perfect. They probably had a much better second version, you know, that's in prototype when all the original iPhones went out. But the point of this is to to just get that out there. You know, the, the first version just needs to be out there and then you can iterate and improve it afterwards. But if you just kind of hold back and try to make something really perfect, you know, you may never ship it or you can ship it too late and a competitor can come out. Yep. It's rare that, you know, somebody builds something and releases it too early. Yeah. And there's uh, two great quotes in that article. One of them is ship early and often. And the other one is if you're not embarrassed when you ship your first version, you waited for too long. And I have to admit that with both easy pricing tables and in particular with easy opt-ins, I've just waited too long to ship the first version. And, you know, in retrospect, if I could go back in time, I would have shipped like three months earlier so, and shipped something that's a bit more of a minimal Bible product and less of a feature complete thing with like yeah. fancy UI and stuff like that. So we've talked about this a lot and, you know, the same with me, with my productized services, there's always one more thing I want to add. Mm. And, you know, one way that it's helping me think about it is there's customers that don't need those extra features or they can wait, you know, the extra, you know, weeks or months until you get it out there or even further, nobody may even want these features. You may be building something that people don't need and, you know, the rest of it they could have used much earlier and you don't know until you start putting it out there and, and getting feedback from customers, particularly paying customers if you can. So, yeah, so our advice is ship early. I think that's about it uh, for this episode. So thanks so much for your question and definitely keep us updated how things you go, how things go. So the URL for this episode is wpcast.fm slash starting. And so we'll have links to the articles and the plugins that we mentioned in this episode. So we'd love to know what you think. As always, you know, we really appreciate any comments and questions and voicemails. 
And, you know, we really love getting these questions so, you know, we can have episodes that we can we can devote to answering these questions. We've got ideas for things to talk about, but ultimately, you know, what you guys want to know is even more important to us. Yeah. And uh, just as a side note, um, I think both Doug and I agree that at this point, talking about stuff like this, you know, talking about building plugin businesses, building themes, talking to other people who do this kind of stuff. I think that's where we want to focus on going forward uh, with this podcast. Yeah. So especially, you know, specific questions like this, we really love these things that we can kind of do a deep dive in. Yeah. So. I think with um, a lot of the stuff that we've done so far, we've produced some really good content, but it wasn't necessarily very, you know, say like unique. There's a lot of other places where you can go to learn about, you know, WordPress plugins and backups and that kind of stuff. So I think us going a bit more in that direction um, could be interesting. So we would also be curious. So uh, what, what do you think about this? Yeah. So again, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. You can go to wpcast.fm to download our WordPress toolbox, which contains our 50 favorite tools. We'll see you next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.